Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Uh, How many are ready for the Word of God? So I need to tell you a story behind the story behind the story in order to get to the Word of God. And so here's the story. Are you going to live, bro? Are you okay? Be healed in Jesus' name. Yeah. Do you need to leave here, right? Look, it's played by itself. Praise God. You're good? I think you just want attention. All right. um, (laughs) Give Corey some love. Give him some love. All right, the story behind the story behind the story. So Pastor Moses and I are in Yorkdale Mall with the staff on Friday. What's the story behind the story? The story behind the story is that we were there literally shopping for prizes for the banquet. And so we're, we're buying things, we're getting deals, trusting God for favor. And, and so as we're walking at one point, he asks me a question. The story behind the story behind the story. He says, he says, I know it's our day off, and even though we're shopping, can I ask you a work-related question? A work-related question. Now, the reason he says that is because Pastor Moses and I, we spend a lot of time together, the staff and I spend a lot of time, and so naturally we, we talk about work things. It's just, it's what we do. And so, but there are some people around us that because of the amount of time we spend together, you know, they don't always like to hear about our our, our work and ministry things, right? Not that I want to drop names, <clears throat> Pastor Carolyn and Emily. Anyway, other than that, other than that, I said, I said to him, before I answer your question, I said, can I tell you a story? The story behind the story behind the story. He goes, sure, Pastor. And so we're walking. I said, I heard an interview this week with Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player that has ever, ever lived. And they were interviewing him and they asked him, what's the number one question that, that people, parents ask you more than any other question? What is the number one question? And he said, you know, the number one question the parents always ask me is, how much time did you practice? How much time did you practice in order to become the great, you know, they call him the great one, uh, the greatest of all time. How much time did you practice? And, 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 and Gretzky said, I never practiced. I never practiced. They said, you never practiced? He said, no, because if you love what you do, it's not practice. If you love what you do, and that thing just it hit me. Some of you that are on my Instagram, you'll know that I actually shared that. That reel really, really, really struck me. And, and so I said to him, I said to him, go ahead. Ask me your question. I said, Pastor Moses, because for me, it's not work. I love what I do. That's why, yeah, come on, somebody. I love what I do. And, and even, if I, even if I have to take my, my, my day off and, and go shopping for the people of God, I love what I do because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And he said, me too. And, and so then we began to talk a little bit of work and, and, and we walked around. We got these, we got these gifts and, uh, and uh, we're so excited. But let me ask you the question. Do you love 
what you do. Because if you love what you do, it's not practice. If, if you love what you do, I guarantee you that you get up different in the morning. You are, you are excited. You are, you are passionate. You are energized if you love what you do. But if you hate what you do, you're going to need some caffeine and God knows whatever else to just... Help me through, help me Jesus, help me through the day, right? Be, because it's an agony for you. It's a, it's a pain for you. You can't, you can't wait till that alarm clock or, or whatever it is, 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 it goes off in your workplace or, or whatever it is you do because you hate what you do. But see, if you love what you do and then you're in the calling of your life, I want to talk to you about not only the calling of your life, I want to talk to you about loving what you do and trusting God that, that you are actually living the call of your life. You remember last week, we, we kind of left Jesus in the, in the synagogue, in the temple there, if you will, and, and he had just read out of the book of Isaiah, and he had, he had read that portion about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and then, and then he said, you know, today, you know, the scriptures are fulfilled in your hearing, and then he sat down, and we talked about the seat of authority, and that, that God desires to not only bring us into our call, but to have us seated in that place. I want to submit to you, biblically, I don't care how anointed you are, I don't care what your vision is, I don't care what resources you may possess, unless you sit in that place of authority that God has created for you, you will not fulfill your call. Period. End of story. Doesn't matter how much you love Jesus, and you must be seated in that place of authority. Now, let me help you because, you know, there, there was a day when, when, when the pulpit would teach that unless you're behind the pulpit, unless you're in ministry, then you're some kind of subclass citizen of the kingdom of God. But the reality is that that's not true. Your, your seat may not be like my seat that, that maybe is behind a pulpit. And by the way, this is actually not the seat that God has called me to. This is a manifestation. We heard that today. This is a manifestation of the seat. There is another seat that, that I am called to because the seat is more about authority than it is about locations. You might be in the marketplace. You might be in the education system. You might, you might be in, in various mountains that God has called you to, but do you love what you do and are, have, you, have you sat down in that place? Because when you sit down in that place, everything changes. I want to speak to you about Moses and how God called Moses and how God put him in his place of authority. And by the way, when he was first called, he was reluctant. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Word of God, many of the people of God that are called are usually reluctant at the beginning. They, 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 don't, they don't come with great joy because they understand the weightiness of what they're being, of what they're being thrust into. And, and so we are moved by fear and insecurity and, and, and a lot of times self-doubt and all those other things that, that rise up in their heart. I want you to know that that's normal. Many of God's people experience that very thing, but it didn't stop God. And so then, then I began to look at the Word. Last week we talked about the process, the test that we must pass, but I began to realize that God operates in certain ways. Psalm 103, 7 says this, and this is not our main passage, but it says, He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the children of Israel. 
Moses knew the ways of God, how, how God operates, how he thinks, how he moves, how he conducts himself. The children of Israel, all they saw was thunder and lightning, and they, and they saw the Red Sea split. They saw miraculous things, but, but Moses knew his ways. And what I love about Joshua, Joshua, who was not invited into the, the tent of meetings, the, the Bible says that Moses would come out from meeting God and, and Joshua would remain. He would remain at the tent wondering what goes on in there. What does God say to Moses in there? I, I, I want to be in that tent. I, I want to be part of that. Now, it wasn't his era. It wasn't his time. But eventually, Joshua became the, the leader of Israel, not the sons of Moses, by the way. I believe there's a secret there that, that Joshua hungered to know God, to know the ways of God. Do you hunger to know the ways of God or are you just happy with the healing and the miracle? And, and we thank God with the healings and the miracles and the power. But for me, church, I want to know the ways of God. How did that happen? I love what Luke says in the book of Acts when he writes to Theophilus. He says the, the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Have you ever read that? Acts chapter 1, the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Can I submit to you, church, that first Jesus does it to you, then he teaches you what he did to you. But so many people stop at the, Woo, wow, that was amazing. No, no, no. I want to know how did you do that. I want to know the ways. I want to know the thoughts of God. I want to have understanding of how things operate. Never mind just the thunders and the lightning. I want to know the ways because when you know the ways, you know the master. I want us to stand this morning. Are we doing okay? I want us to stand. I want us to look at Exodus chapter 3, well-known passage, well-known passage, the calling of Moses, the calling of Moses. I'm actually going to read, I'm going to read actually from verse 6, AV team, I know I'm throwing you off a little bit, but verse 6, God says to Moses, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are on Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down. I love this. I have come down. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a, a good and large land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and, and the Jesubites and all the other ites. That, by the way, church, and those of you that are online, do you notice that none of these people, all the ites, are no longer here, but the children of Israel are here. Somebody ought to give praise to God for that. He says in verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you. I'll send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for your call and your purposes. 
we thank you for your will, for it is yea and amen. And, and Lord, we thank you that you don't change. You're a non-changing God. Your ways are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all God's people said, amen. Before you're seated, we talked to a few people. Ask them if they love what they do. Ask them that question. Say, do you love what you do? Do you love what you do? Are you in love with what you do? Come on, are you in love with what you do? Huh? Huh? Are you in love with what you do? Now, if somebody growled at you, that means they don't love what they do. If they're like, right? No, I don't love it. No, no. I want to show you something. In verse 1, if we can go back there. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the, the flock back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And then the angel of God appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Let me, let me give you some exegesis before I get to my, my points. I want you to understand Moses is now 80 years old. When you look at the life of Moses, he lived for 120 years. His life is broken up into, into three 40-year chunks, right? 40, first 40 years, he's in Egypt. He's one of the prince of, of Egypt, maybe in line to become Pharaoh. His second uh, 40 years, so from 40 to 80, he is in the wilderness where God finds him. And, and, and he has the burning bush experience. And then he goes from there back to Egypt. And of course, he delivers the people of God. And he brings them out. And he gets all the way to the promised land. But he himself is not allowed to go into the promised land. Because he misrepresented God. And, and when he was supposed to speak to the rock, which represents Christ, he actually struck the rock. And then God judged him. And so he was not able to go into the promised land. However, everybody say, however because that seems to be unfair in, in the mercies of God remember the prayer of Moses was always God show me your glory show me your glory thinking that the promised land was the glory but God was really saying to him I have a greater glory that I want to show you and then Moses the dead guy shows up in the New Testament at the Mount of Transfiguration when, 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 when Jesus takes Peter, James and John up the mountain who appears when Christ is glorified but Moses Moses is one that appears and, and Moses saw the glory of God. This is why the Bible says that he is the God of the living and not the dead. So clearly even before the resurrection Moses was alive because he appears at the Mount of Transfiguration because Jesus is greater than any piece of land. Can somebody give praise for that? So he's, four, he's now 80 years old. He's a fugitive. He's been, he's been running for 40 years from Pharaoh because, you know, he killed the Egyptian and then the Hebrews turned on him. And so, and so he fled. Obviously, he, he finds a wife. He has children. His father-in-law is, is, uh, is a priest of, of Midian. And, and probably he believes, all right, this is now my life. You know, it looked like my life looked like it was on a certain trajectory. And then it kind of took a side turn. And, and what I thought would be didn't become. And so here I am. Maybe he's ready to move to Florida. Maybe he's going to retire somewhere, buy a little condo, you know, uh, join some little seniors group and, and play bingo and whatever else they do in, in, in retirement. And, and God says, I have other plans for you, Mo. I have other plans. You're not going to retire. Your ministry is just about to begin. 
Hello. Your ministry is just about to begin. And so what God does is he has an angel go and start a fire. How many know that God starts fires in your life? He says, go start a fire. And so Mo's looking at this. He's looking at this. He's like, mm, the bush is not burning. The bush is not burning. And, and, and I believe, by the way, it wasn't a one-time event. I think that, that it caught his eye. It caught his eye. It caught his eye. It caught his eye. And then all of a sudden, in verse 3, it says this. I will now turn aside. I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why doesn't the bush burn? What is going on here? I've lived here long enough to know that when bushes burn, eventually they burn out. Why is this bush not burning out? What is this? God, God pulled on it. You heard me talk about this, his holy curiosity. There is some curiosity that is very good for you, particularly when it comes to the things of God, particularly knowing the ways of God. And the Bible says, I'm going to turn. Moses literally physically turned so that he could see what this thing was all about. And the Bible says in the next verse, when God saw that Moses turned, God spoke to him. Now, I want you to catch this. The angel started the fire. It got Moses' attention. When Moses turns to go see what's going on, the Bible says God spoke to him. God spoke to him. And I want you to notice that he calls him by name. He calls him by name. The Bible says God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Church, I want to submit to you. God knows your name. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He knows when you were born. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that before you were born, he knew you in your mother's womb. Where were you? Where were you before your mother's womb if God already knew you? For people that are pro-abortion and say that it's not even a human life. You know what God says? I knew your identity before you were even born, before you were even formed. I knew you. I had awareness of you. You were somewhere, whether it's in the heart of God, the mind of God, but he calls him by name because he has a purpose for him. He has a seat of authority, and he begins to talk to him about what he wants to do. I have heard the cry. I've heard the desperation. God says, I've come down. I have come down, Mo, and I've come to invite you into what I'm going to do, and I am sending you. You see, God is apostolic. When God sends people, he is operating apostolically. But he says to Moses, I can't just send you back there without authority. You're going to need authority because Pharaoh is not going to let you go. Now I want you to see this. That God is asking Moses to go back to a place where he is wanted, where he could be tried, where he could be arrested. It is a place of now further rejection, further agony, where Moses tried to do the right thing and it became a disaster and he had to get away from that place. This is not exactly the place that Moses wanted to go back to. Some of you I want to submit that God is calling you to go back, not to be a part of it, but to actually deliver other people that are still in it, different lives. Come on now different lifestyles and what have you, that God wants to send you back, back to that place so that you can operate as a deliverer of God so that people will be set free by the word and the authority of God. Now watch this. Pharaoh says to Moses, he's not going to let you go. 
because I'm going to harden his heart. Now, if you're, if you're Moses, you're like, no, no, you mean like you're going to soften his heart. God says, no, I'm going to harden his heart so that he won't let you go. Well, why do you want to do that? My friends, why does God want to do that? Because ultimately God wants to show Pharaoh, who was considered to be a God, who the true God really was. Huh? That though they had held these, these, these Israelites imprisoned for 400 years, God was about to demonstrate that the God of the Hebrews is alive. That the God of the Hebrews is powerful. That the God of the Hebrews is in control. And he said, here's the message. You go tell them to let my people go. You go tell them. Now for two chapters, for two chapters, Moses puts up a fight. Moses puts up excuse after excuse. His, 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 very, his very first excuse, I love this. He, he says, well, well, who am I? <laughs> who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and tell him to let your people go. See, see, this is the number one problem in our lives, church, is the number one problem is we doubt who we are. Always in self-doubt and, and, and self-subjugation and, and always, always putting ourselves down and, and always concerned about who we are. But watch what God says to him. Surely I will be with you. While we were worshiping, I... I turned to Pastor Moses, I said, the remedy, the remedy, Candice, for identity issues, God says, I am with you. Not that, listen, listen, you're, you're a great person, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're going to be okay, you know. No, no, here's what God says. It doesn't matter who you are, what matters is I am with you. I am with you. I'm with you. And then... And then, and then he says, well, who, who am I going to say? You know, okay, you're with me. Awesome. And, and, and who am I going to say that, that sent me? They're, they're, they're not going to know. I'm going to tell them the God of the Hebrews that they haven't heard from you for 400 years. And, and, and that's where he said, I am that I am that I am. I am that I am. And, and you would think that, and you would think that, Moses would stop and then he said you know Pharaoh is not going to he's not going to listen to me and then God says what's in your hand in chapter 4 what's in your hand he goes it's a stick and all of a sudden you know the, the stick of Moses turns into a it turns into a snake and then his hand goes leprous and, and then it gets healed and God is saying I'm, I'm going to do amazing and wonderful things I'm, I'm going to display my power and, and, and you would think that Moses would go oh this is stuff. Oh, it's awesome stuff he goes well you know I can't speak. I stutter. Huh? And you want me to go 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 to Pharaoh and tell him? Now, church, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. The God, I've always wondered this. The God that can split the Red Sea. Huh? Why didn't he say to Moses, come here, come here, I'm going to touch your tongue, I'm going to touch your lips, and, and, and you're going to be so articulate, and, and you're going to speak so well? No. He says, don't you have a brother? Oh, you have a brother? Your brother Aaron. Your brother Aaron is going to speak for you, and you shall be like God. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to heal you. But, but I'm going to make provision for you so that you can get my message out. Pastor, what are you trying to say? Church, I just want to help you that God is not going to solve every problem in life that you may have. Yeah. 
Well, this one God of all, remove this and remove that. And, and God says, no, I'm, I'm going to work through some of your weaknesses. I'm going to work through some of your, your stutters. I, I'm, I'm going I'm to work through some of your confidence issues. I, I'm going to work through your rejection issues and, and, and some of the thorns that, that, that are in your flesh that, that even Paul prayed about three times. Huh? You, you have to understand. Why, why did Paul pray three times? Paul is not used to not being answered on the first time. I mean, he's probably like, uh, maybe you didn't hear me. This thorn is, is a problem. No, no, no. And Jesus appears and says, my grace, my grace, my grace, my grace, my grace is sufficient. Huh? And then you know what the Bible says in verse 4, in chapter 4? The Bible says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Like, like God, brought, God was brought to such a place of, of all the excuses that finally God became angry. And why did he become angry? Because he's saying, I've provided everything you need to get it done. I've given you the place of authority. Now Moses, just go. Get on with what you have to do. Church, listen to me. Some of you have made excuses for years. Get on with what God has called you to do. Get on with what God has called you to do. And love what you do. Love what you do. do, do are, you saying, are, are you saying I have to love everything about what I do? No, but love what you do. You know, as I was going from one service to another, one of, one of our people that was in, in, in service was in the boardroom, and, you know, she just recently got a promotion, and she's, and she's working, and, and, and um, you know, she's doing stuff, and, and, and so I said, hey, do you need some help? Do you need some help? And she showed me this spreadsheet numbers, and, and, and it was all, just she's an analyst, and she's got a national position now, and, and she said to me, Pastor, I never thought I would love this, but I, I just love these numbers, and I love the data. You you see, when, 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 when you love what you do, huh? there's an excitement, there's a thrill, there, there is an understanding that I have, that I have purpose and meaning, and, and it's not always necessarily uh, behind a pulpit, but my friends, God wants to give you the seat of where he has sent you. Amen. Where has he sent you? Where has he called you? But because of doubt, Fear, lack of confidence. Oh, let me get personal. Sometimes because of our skin color, our education. Come on. We, we weren't born on the right side of the tracks. Uh, we weren't born with money. We weren't, we, weren't from the, we weren't from the right family. And pastor, don't, 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 don't you know that, that I'm, the only, I'm the only Christian in my family? Church, listen, there has never been a pastor in my family. There, I, I don't come from legacy. I don't come from that pastor and his pastor and his father was a pastor. and they, they, we, we weren't like that. I, I had to break barriers. I am the first of my kind in my family. Huh? I hope that there will be others that, that follow, but that's who I am. But the excuses, the excuses we make as to why we shouldn't go and why we shouldn't do the things that we're called to do. 
And so four things that I want you to see, actually five, we're going to talk about three of them, but five things that I want you to see of how God works because he says, I never change. Number one, I want you to notice that, that God is the God of promise. When God speaks to you, he speaks to you with promises. God is a promise maker, but he's also a promise keeper. Number two, he gives us prophetic revelation. What is prophetic revelation? It is a picture of the future. It is an infomercial. Like he said to Moses, here is what I am going to do. Number three, we have the process. The process we talked about last week is, is usually about the promises. Uh, it's usually about, sorry, the, the process of the, the test that we need to go through in order to inherit the promise. And, and Bishop Tony Miller would always say this, that we love catalytic moments, but we don't always like the process. That's it. Right. That's the process is hard. It's, it's painful. Uh, you can get lost in the process. You know, uh, last night I've been telling you about these, revel uh, these renovations at the house. And, and last time, for the first time, upstairs in the landing, they, 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 they took off the, uh, you know, the cardboard and all the paper that was on the hiding the wood floor. And you know what? It's not a big, it's not a big landing. I don't know, 20, 30 square feet. And, and then they took, the, they took the, the plastic off the stairs. And, and, and so I... I was there in the bedroom, and I, all I could do was stare at the landing, stare at the wood. And Emily comes out and goes, Dad, what are you doing? I said, I, I'm staring at the wood. The wood is so beautiful. Because for three months, I've seen cardboard and dirt and nastiness. And, and, and I know there's wood that I paid for, and it's, and it's under there. But, but, but last night, the wood was revealed. I'm like, my God, there's wood. And, and other areas of the light, you, of, of, of the house, you begin to see like, that gets revealed. There's like, wow, the, the vision that is coming is, wow, look at that. And, and the pain and the church, your life is like that. God, see, you, you, you want to be revealed all at once, but God says, no, no, no. We're going we're gonna to pull back the cardboard a little bit at a time and this part of your life and that part of your life. And, and then all of a sudden you go like, wow, is it, isn't God good? And look what God has done. And I, I love what Kimberly said this morning. I don't know what the story is, but I caught it. I caught it when she said, God delivered me from something and therefore I must respond, which means God pulled away something that now I get to see into what God did. And you see, when, when you're in love with God, eh, Kim, and, and God does something like that, we have to respond. We, we have to worship. That's why I let her go on a little bit. I'm like, go on, sister, and give God praise. And then, and then, we, have, then we have the provision. So we have the promise. God is a covenant keeping God. The promise, by the way, this is the greatest covenant you have, Old Testament and New Testament. These are the promises of God. God, the Bible says, keeps his promise above his name. And we know that the name of God is important. But imagine if God says, my word is more important than my name because I, I, I'm, a, I'm a covenant-keeping God. I'm not a man that I should lie. And what I have said, I will bring it to pass. The church, listen to me. Just because God promised doesn't mean that you shouldn't pray into it. 
If you have a promise, you need to pray and remind God you promised. I will bring him in to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And then he gives a, a prophetic revelation. What is that? It's a picture of the future. It is, it is an infomercial. God shows you an infomercial like a movie. You know when a movie's coming out and they go, coming to a theater near you. That's how God speaks to you. Visions, dreams, hope, prophetic words, revelation. Why? Why? Because listen, listen to Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Do you, do you notice the amount of restraint in the world that, that is being cast off and people that are giving themselves over to drugs and, and various things? Do you know why? They have no revelation. Why is suicide? And by the way, you don't hear about this in the media because they're afraid to tell you the people, the young people that are killing themselves every single day in this country, in North America. Why? Because they have no revelation, because they have no hope, because they have no future. This is why God makes promises. He says, I will always give you a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11, I will always give you a future. I always have plans for you. God gives us a prophetic vision, a canvas of what the future looks like. Church, you know, we, we're hearing stories today about how young people, oh, you know, young people can't afford houses and they, they, can't, get, they can't get into the real estate market and all these other curses that they want to put upon you. Can I submit to you? You are not of this world. You don't have to submit to those curses and lies. The process. The provision. The provision are the resources of God. The provision are the relationships, the wealth, the networking, the money. Whatever, whatever it is you require, with every vision, there is provision. Some of us are struggling. We're beggars. We're paupers. We, we, we think we have to manipulate God and beg God. Listen, your father not only wants to bless you, but when you are on assignment and when you are in your seat of authority, provision will be provided. Huh? This is whether God provides himself a ram. You love singing that song, right? About Jehovah Jireh, but, but people really don't understand the way Jehovah Jireh works. Or, or where you're Nehemiah and you have to go back and rebuild the wall. And a heathen king who helped destroy that wall says to you, I'm going to give you everything you need. Or if you're Mary and you're Joseph and you're so poor that you can't even get out of your own town of Bethlehem, but the king wants to kill your son. And so you got to go to Egypt, but you don't have money to go to Egypt. And so what do you do? You don't know what to do. But God sends wise men that give you gold to pay for the to pay for the transportation to get to Egypt and to live to Egypt until God says the king is dead, come back. Always makes a way when For provision, for, for provision will pay for the vision. Huh? Stop your struggle. 
Stop your worry. Stop your begging. Stop, stop it. Just obey God because God loves to provide. He will provide for you. As a matter of fact, he, he said to Moses, now you go tell. I don't know, he didn't say this to the men, but he says, you go tell the women. Go tell the women to go and ask of their neighbors. Huh? Get all the Gucci. Get, get all the Armani. Get, get all the silver, the gold, the, the jewelry. Get all the shoes that, 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 that Egypt had. Get all the makeup. He says, take it all. Take it all because they owe you 400 years of back pay. Some of you, church, I'm telling you right now, the devil owes you some back pay. Huh? Things that have been stolen from you. You got to get it back. You got to get it back. You got to get it back. And God's going to make a way in this day to get it back. Some of you have companies that have stolen from you. Some of you, some of you have family members that have stolen from you. Some of you have, have had inheritances that, that have been taken from you. I'm here to tell you by the word of the Lord, the back pay is coming. But why? Come on up, Corey, but why? Just because? No, 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 no. Because you are coming into the seat of authority. Because you have a call on your life. Because there, there, is, there is purpose. Now, church, I want to say to you, do you arrive at your call at day one? No, I told you that Paul waited 13 years. There, there are times and, and there are seasons that eventually will demonstrate number five there, number that will demonstrate in power that, that there are times and seasons. But let me ask you the question. Until you come into the full seat, do you love what you do? Yesterday, not yesterday, Friday, we went to Indigo. We thought there could be some gifts, and I said, I, I said, guys, I want to go upstairs. So it's two levels, and we get up there, and I got into the section where all the, like, leadership books are. Something in my spirit. Something in my spirit began to turn. I said to Pastor Moses and Candace, I said, my book is going to be in this place. Yeah. And then, you know, God surrounds you with real people. So Pastor Mo goes, well, I guess you're going to have to write one first, eh, bro? And I am. I'm writing it. But I knew there was something. I got in the environment. I got in the environment of what I knew was in me. Here's, my, here's, here's, here's what I want to say to you. We're going to close. We're going to, we're going to worship. If you are honest for a moment, not only am I asking you to love what you do, but if you are truly honest with yourself, you would probably admit today that, Pastor, there's, there's something on the inside of me. 
that's bigger. That's bigger than what's on the outside. And, and can I say this, that the older you get, the more you want to see that come to pass. Whatever it is that is in the inside to be manifest in your external world. The reason you were created by God. I want you to stand with me as the worship team comes. And I love this song. I've, I've asked them to sing for a moment. For a moment. I recognize there's things we have to do today. and We have another, another service. But as they sing, maybe, maybe there's a burning bush in your life. Maybe it's caught your eye, but, but you haven't turned. You haven't given it your full attention. If God has started a fire, I want to submit to you that you turn. Give your attention to the fire. I guarantee you God will speak to you. Maybe the greatest days of your life are yet to be lived. Maybe, maybe that trajectory that you thought was on the up is on the down. I'm sure Moses felt that. In one conversation, God changed his life. And he led a nation from captivity ultimately into the promised land. See, see, see you don't know who you are but your father does.